0: A reading from Joel. O children of Zion, be glad and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the later rain as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain, the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will repay you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent against you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I, the Lord, am your God and there is no other. And my people shall never again be put to shame Then afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves, in those days, I will pour out my spirit. I will show portents in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. The word of the Lord. Be to
1: God. A reading from Second Timothy. I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From now on there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. At my first defense, no one came to support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Word of the Lord, glory to you, Lord Jesus told his parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector standing far off would not even look up to heaven was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. And I think the traditional interpretation of this parable is that the Pharisee is a much worse person than he seems to think he is, and that's where it all goes south. But, but I actually want to invite you into a different consideration. See, these symbols are pretty old, and uh, we've don't always get the the culture behind him. So so there's two symbols here, Pharisee and tax collector. And and let's start with Pharisee. Usually, many of us who have been around a church, even a few weeks, we hear the word Pharisee and we think, oh, that's the bad guy. Those people, they're self-righteous and judgmental. They're hypocrites and they're terrible. But you know, at the time of Jesus, really, the Pharisees were, frankly, the best people around. Just to set that scene for you a little bit, most of Jewish religion at the time of Jesus was concentrated on doing particular rituals on particular days. Priests, they weren't the the high moral fiber we have today. Priests, (laughs) Priests were butchers. They looked at skin disease, they lit candles, and they burned incense. And you went and did that with them whenever you wanted meat or it was a high holy day. And that was pretty much religion for you, honestly. The Pharisees, on the other hand, who could have been priests, but in general weren't. They were just regular folks. They wanted more out of their religion than that. They wanted a relationship with God to inform how they lived their everyday lives. They, they hungered for that. And so they made it up. They made it up by reading the scriptures. They read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. And then they read prophets, and they read Psalms, and they thought, hey, there's all kinds of directives here with how we should live with each other as God intends to increase our mutual joy. And so the Pharisees came up with a moral code for living that was a theological one. Now, this might sound pedestrian to us today, but it was new. And so these people, these Pharisees, who wanted this so much, they went above and beyond. A regular Jewish person fasted once a year on Yom Kippur. Once a year, one day. The Pharisees would fast once, or in this case twice a week, to make up for the Jews that didn't even do it once a year. In their mind, it was all about the community, you see, and so they were carrying their brothers and sisters who couldn't or wouldn't. Same with the tithing. You didn't have to give a tenth of all you had. The Pharisees did it to make up for the people who didn't give a tenth of anything they had. They weren't viewed as hypocrites. They were viewed as living saints. Sort of like we used to be viewed. <laughs> you'd see the caller out in the marketplace and you'd say, yep, that's a safe person. Or you'd see the habit and you'd say, sister, thanks for your service. Right? Our reputation, like theirs, has been corrupted for some good reasons. Then there's the tax collector. Now, none of us really love the irs i don't think but i'm not sure that anybody would have an intense grudge against somebody who worked for the irs respectable career government job good pension well it used to be Um, that is not the view of tax collectors a tax collector at the time of jesus is one of the most hideous people in society so just to give you the rundown of this consider This is a conquered country. They're being dominated by the Roman Empire, told what to do. They don't have self-autonomy. And not only do they have to do that stuff, they have to pay for that. They have to pay taxes. And taxes are all fine, right? Um, Here's the way Rome really operated, is, is they just really wanted, let's say, a dollar a person. Just a dollar. And it'd be great if you'd stay peaceful because wars are expensive. So we just don't want to fight. Just give us a dollar. That would be a pretty easy burden, except, as you know, Rome was a really big place. And big places need big bureaucracies. So Rome had to divide the franchise tax board into the Eastern Hemisphere and the Western Hemisphere. They would collect, and then they would pass up to Big Rome. Well, the Eastern and Western Hemisphere, they had employees, those people had to eat. So you just gotta give us $2 now. One for the Hemisphere centers, and then one for them to pass up. Pretty easy, right? Except the Hemispheres were actually really, really big. They might have, I don't know, 50 states in them or something like that. Well, now it's 3 bucks, right? Well, the state's pretty big, we need counties. Four bucks. We need districts and counties, because some counties are pretty big. Five bucks. You see how this goes, right? Within the districts, you know, I mean, Houston's a big city. We might need to cut that into wards or something. Seven bucks. Within the wards, there's um, HOAs or something. Master Plan Communities, I think is the Texas word. Eight bucks. (laughs) Neighborhoods, nine bucks. Okay, everybody's got nine bucks, right? That's fine. Nine bucks, great. Except... The person who went and asked you for the nine bucks wasn't a Roman. That person was Jewish. So this is your fellow Jew collecting your money that you don't want to pay to support laws and infrastructure that you don't support actively. Like you would fight a war, but you lost that one. Uh, But you'll you'll fight another one. By the way, that happened a lot. Uh, And here they come doing this. And the money, by the way, bears the inscription of the emperor who's declared himself to be God. So the money itself is idolatrous, and you have to give idolatrous money to an idolatrous emperor who is dominating you and suppressing your religion and political rights, and that's being done by one of your fellow Jews. Beyond that, that Jewish person didn't come knocking for nine bucks. See, because nine bucks meant he didn't get any money. Well, did he ask for ten? He asked for whatever the market would bear, right? Sometimes the market would bear much more than 10. I mean, after all, people were driving German-engineered chariots back then too, right? The ultimate chariot machine. And they would notice that and say, yeah, your tax liability, $400 this year. $400? It was only $100 last year. How can you do this? Well, I'll tell you how. This is my friend Bruno, and this is my friend Hans, $400, please. Well, you might be thinking, Mike, you make it sound a lot like extortion. It was, it was extortion. They would beat you to a pulp if you didn't pay. Would the police intervene? There weren't any police, that's the thing. And these people worked on commission with the Roman government, so they actually were somewhat protected to extort your money from you. So, tax collectors are thieves and rogues, complicit in idolatry, Benedict Arnold types. Tax collector is when you live in a really nice community and these are the people that join gangs. Well, we know maybe there's forgiveness once you get out of the gang, but you've got to get out. And in the parable, we don't know that the tax collector intends to leave his profession, do we? What we know is that one day, two men go up the temple to pray. And typically, we think that the Pharisee is all bad and he's tooting his own horn. But I'd like to tell you, Paul sure does that in the epistle, doesn't he? I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I did it often by myself, but I did it. We would say he's just telling the truth. Hey, why isn't the Pharisee telling the truth? Maybe he doesn't make those bad choices. Maybe he really is generous. Maybe he really doesn't steal or defraud. Maybe that's all true. It got me thinking that instead of him being up there lying, maybe he's telling the truth, which is the truth, frankly, that I bear witness to in my soul when I drive by a wreck. I often think, God help him, and man, I'm glad it's not me. You ever think that? I got good people I know, I mean, good friends, relatives that are struggling with addiction, and I do feel terribly sad with them, and I'm glad it's not me. Aren't you glad? It's not you about something. Sometimes we think it's not a fair way to pray. It's honest, don't you think? It's honest. We don't know if the tax collector is going to change anything. We just know he says, God, have mercy on me. So I'm trying to figure out in my head what it is that's going on so wrong here. Because the key is, which one goes home justified? And you know, I think the answer is the Pharisee has already justified himself. He's already justified everything that he's done. It was generous, and it was right, and it was good. You ever find yourself justifying yourself instead of seeking justice? Because those are different, right? If you don't know the difference, watch one of the debates. Because you will see two people justify themselves for hours without ever once talking about what's just. To further elaborate on that, (laughs) it's a story about Gandhi, very famous. I've told it before, maybe. Gandhi came out with a political position on Monday. It was printed in the newspaper. We'll call it position A. On Wednesday, he changed the position, came out of the newspaper. We'll call it position B now. And someone said, you hypocrite, you changed your position. And Gandhi said, since Monday, I learned something. How different would our political discourse be if they said, you know, you're right. I did use my personal server. Not with any wrong intent. I did it. Maybe I shouldn't have. I get that now. Oh, that'd be a weak person to not justify every decision they made. Or or would it be a stronger one? You ever find yourself at the end of the day justifying things that you didn't feel good about? so that you could sleep so that you could have that untarnished image of who you are if we're already self-justified then we don't need God to do it for us do we that's why the Pharisee goes home justified by himself and the tax collector goes home being made more just by God and maybe that's the difference maybe the difference is when the Pharisee says in the prayer I'm God, God I'm so glad I'm not like other people Instead of, God, I'm grateful for your grace that has kept me from that. You hear the difference? One is an attitude about choices we've made, and the other is an attitude about people fundamentally. And one of my dad's four favorite sayings, and this is a good one. (laughs) One of the other ones is good too. Uh, One of his four favorite sayings is, the minute we think we are different from everybody else is the minute we are like everybody else. And maybe this is where the Pharisee goes wrong is when he fails to use that adage yet for the grace of God go I there. Maybe what he misses is that he wraps up worthiness in accountability in the same package and he says, tax collector, bad, evil, thief, fraud, liar, idolater, I'm better than that, period. That may not make much sense what I'm telling you, but you know, about 10 years ago we went to adoptive parent training. We had to do this and at the time they asked, you know, what do you think about people whose parental rights are terminated? And of course what I said is they're bad parents. And they're bad people, too. I mean, who, who loses their parents? I mean, who loses their children? You'd be a pretty bad person to lose your kids. So the first week, actually, of adopted parent training, they, spend, they, 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 they sprinkle in these case studies of how some people have lost their kids. And it's important, some people. Like the guy that works at the mill on one income that has three kids, loses his job, goes to the local honky-tonk and has some drinks. And, you know, he chooses to drive home Well, he loses his license, right, because he gets pulled over that time. That one time, he loses his license, and that really interferes with his ability to get a job. And he doesn't have a nanny or a babysitter, and he leaves the kids at home to go looking for a job the next day, which is really difficult since he doesn't have a car, and one of them gets hurt while he's gone, and the oldest one was nine. And CPS is called, and you know what? They decide, since he's a negligent parent, they're going to take the children away. have you ever made a tiny decision like that? I'm good enough to drive. Or, I'll just be gone a minute. Or, blank. And most of us would say, geez, Mike, those are just little bad decisions that we make. What if, what if, we were able to look at the tax collector and say as accountable as that person needs to be held what if they got there by making a lot of those little decisions what if see we don't know we don't know But man we sure like to know don't we We sure like to know exactly how that person got in that gang. They did it to be a minister decided and they hate people. Or they were looking for a family. Or they were looking for someone that would treat them like an adult. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying maybe the issue is that the Pharisee has judged the tax collector as fundamentally not worthy. The Pharisee has lost an openness to a whole group of human beings and in so doing, he's lost justice, which is rooted in compassion. We talked a little bit last week about this real struggle that we have because a lot of times we think of justice as being retributive, as getting even. Here we heard, actually in Joel, that sometimes getting even seems fine. God got even with the people in Joel by sending the locust and the cutter to eat up all their food stuff. And the prophet Joel says that happened because the people were living in discord with the life that God intended for them. But here in chapter 2 Joel says I'm not going to leave you there it's going to rain again and I'm going to bring food and I'm not just going to bring food for your bodies I'm going to do something new with the nourishment I give you I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh and your young will see visions and your old will dream dreams. Male slaves, female slaves, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people and there will be no shame. The Pharisee is ashamed of the tax collector. Maybe the difference is that God isn't. And maybe the restoration that God is calling us to in Pentecost right that we aren't deep. And maybe the reason that we come to the rail every week in confession is not because if we don't, well, God will extort us and punish us until we're sorry enough for what we've done. Maybe we do it so that we can be open to the fact that we have all missed what God intends for us. That many of us have support systems that have spared us or luck. You know, that time you read the red light and the police weren't there? (laughs) And, And that was a good thing for us, right? And we've been there. Enough to have compassion on the person who does it and the police were there. And maybe the difference is that we look then at the tax collector and say, God, I'm glad I'm not living that life So out of my resources, help me to love them even more. Maybe the thing the Pharisee misses is that he has the nourishment and the resources and the difference of life to be a support to someone who doesn't have it. And maybe that's the difference between being stewards and good ones. (laughs) Is that out of our gratitude, we're committed to being open to others who maybe have found their way like us, or maybe who haven't, or maybe even as wounded people, our wounds have at least stopped bleeding long enough to help someones who haven't. Sometimes I think Politics and our society we just are just so interested in being right that we forget that being right does not mean we're being righteous maybe that's the difference in the story between the way we treat each other and the way we pledge our time with each other do we focus on being justified or are we going to commit to God's version of justice and do it.